No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter how many obstacles we have to overcome, I want you to know today that transformation is possible. That's a little weak. I need your help now. Come on. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how many obstacles you have to overcome, no matter where you're starting from. Some of us start a little further ahead than others. I get that. But here's the truth. Transformation is possible. God's people said yes. It's possible. It's possible. I want to talk about transformation today. Last week we, we were talking about when you choose, talking about being free. When you choose to be free, you will. And uh, you remember that from last week? Yeah. So sort of on the same theme, I was talking, uh, as I was talking last week about being free, I was thinking about this verse uh, in Corinthians, and I'm not even actually going to speak about it, but it, you know where it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There, there is freedom. So that's just still brewing in me, but I had something else on my mind too. Everything's a sermon when you're a preacher. You, gotta, uh, you look at everything, look at every, every moment of every day, looking, what's the next sermon? What's the next sermon? It's, it's a relentless, it, but it's a relentless task and a joy at the same time. But transformation is possible. I wanted to look at these two familiar verses today, and uh, I know that many of you have read these many times, but I just wanted you to, again, look at them this morning. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it says this, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Transformation. There is hope that things can change in your life. There is hope that you can change. There is hope. All things are possible with God. And these two verses, they tell us what needs to happen in order for us to actually experience the kind of transformation that God would have for us. There's a, a couple of things, but one, <clears throat> there's many things in the verse, but what I wanted to focus in on today was the idea of cooperation, that there is, and this is stems from last week, that when Isaac said to Esau, when you decide to be free, you will be free. And this is uh, uh, sort of on the same lines of transformation is possible, can be done, but there is a cooperation, there's teamwork that needs to happen between us and the Holy Spirit. When we do our part, he always does his. And so the results will be good. So it's usually, almost always, in fact, always, always, he's always ready. God's in the business of making good change in our lives. That's what he does. That's who he's about. And so he's always ready and willing to do his part. It's just whether we are willing to do our part to see that happen. 
The word transformation, we get, <clears throat> we get the word actually a metamorphosis, and you've heard that word uh, back in grade school maybe, but um, it's a, it, it means that there's a, it's a change. It's a, uh, a transformation or a metamorphosis. It's a, it's a change into something different. It's, it's actually a major change, either in form or nature or function. And a lot of the times, all three are involved as well. It's the classic caterpillar into a butterfly type of thing. And, and it, 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 uh, metamorphosis, uh, the metamorphosis takes place, and the caterpillar emerges and flies away as a butterfly. The creature is totally transformed. He's, he's metamorphosized. He's changed into something different. There's been a major change in his form, in his nature, in his function. He, there's a lot that's been changed. So when, when God says, I want you to be transformed, that transformation is possible. He's talking about something big. He's talking about something quite significant. It's a metamorphosis that you become new, right? That, what does it say? That the old is what? Gone and that the new has come. You are literally a new creation. You emerge different, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is what he wants. We all can understand that. But what is our responsibility to see something like that happen in our lives? These verses give us a couple of clues. And uh, I wanted to just spend a few minutes today and talk about that. In verse 1, it says, he says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. That's what he said. I plead with you to give your bodies to God. I just want to sit there just for a second. So before we follow Jesus, we are <clears throat> using our bodies for our own pleasure, for our own purpose, not, not always evil and, 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 uh, and, and wicked and all this stuff, but our, our bodies were our own. We were using them for our own intent, our own pleasure. But now that we belong to him, we're supposed to use our bodies for his purpose. We're supposed to use our bodies for his glory. Our bodies now belong to him. Did you know that? It says you were bought, right? Look at that verse, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with what? With your body. You must honor him with your body. It's, it's important. It's important. Our body now belongs to him. Now, think about Jesus takes on a body uh, like ours to accomplish God's will here on earth. And now we are called to give our bodies to him so that God's work can continue here on earth through us, through our bodies. Our bodies are part of that. We offer ourselves to him. Look at Romans uh, 6.13. Put that up. It says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. We sometimes don't talk about giving God our body. 
It sounds sort of weird in a way, I get. But this is indeed what he's asking us to do. Romans 12, it says, is this you're to be a living sacrifice, to give your body to be a living sacrifice. We, we all know that in the Old Testament, the sacrifices were not alive. Did you ever notice that? Just, just nod at me, right? They were not alive. They, they were dead. They were, sac- they, were, they were killed and then sacrificed. So it's a, there's a change. The sacrifices were dead. Now we're, asked, we're, now we're told to be that living sacrifice. And the problem with living sacrifices is we keep jumping off the altar, right? This is, this is the issue with us. When we don't like something, we get scared, we get uncomfortable, the living sacrifice jumps off the altar and it never gets done, right? But in the Old Testament, the sacrifices were dead. And people, I want you to note this, the people were commanded to make a sacrifice, right? To atone for their sin. They were asked to make a sacrifice. Jesus is now saying, not only do I, I, you're not dead, but you're going to be alive. I'm not asking you to make a sacrifice. I'm asking you to be a sacrifice. There's quite a change, quite a change in language and in understanding. Jesus, of course, is always, I got rocks or something up here that I keep stepping on. Uh, Was that you, Stefan? I don't know. Keep stepping on it. It's crinkly. It's bothering me. Okay, I'm good now. Um, Jesus is always our perfect example He died as a living sacrifice, right? In obedience to the Father's will. It says, Scripture is very clear, nobody took his life. It says he, what? Gave it, right? He gave it. He offered it. He didn't jump off the cross. He stayed. He did. He didn't, and of course, we know that he was crucified, he died on the cross, but we, uh, we know that he didn't stay dead, glory to God, but he rose again, and today he is in heaven making intercession for his children as our living sacrifice, right? He is the living sacrifice that was given for us. So when it says present your bodies, right, or give your bodies, Paul is saying, it's asking for something. He's asking for a commitment. He's asking for you to make a choice. He's asking for you to make a, a, a hard and fast decision that I, I will be, I will offer my body as a living sacrifice and I will not run away when it gets uncomfortable. I will not give up when it gets tough. A living sacrifice hangs in, stays there. He's asking you, do you understand, to make a serious commitment. This is what he's asking, right? He's not asking you to make a sacrifice. He's asking you to be the sacrifice. So when it says present your bodies or give your bodies, he's asking for a definite commitment, and there's no doubt about that. Think about even this. The Bible, uh, in many times, it describes our relationship with Jesus like a bride and a groom, you know? And here in the natural, when a bride and a groom commit to each other, Does it include our bodies or not? The obvious answer is yes. I don't just commit to you with my words or my thoughts. No, I I commit all of me to my spouse. And this is the proper approach. It includes our physical bodies. It includes being faithful to each other with our 
physical bodies. That's part of it, right? It includes that. And so this is part of our commitment to him. He's saying, think about the, you know, even think about the marriage relationship as you commit to each other. This is how I want you to be committed to me. Give God your body. It's part of your commitment, right, to him. To keep your body the way it needs to be kept. To do the things with your body that you need to do with. And let him do good things in you and through you, right? So, um, let me just say this. Paul, Paul immediately answers the question. He, he, he immediately answers the question. Why should we do this? Why should we make such a big step? Why should we take take this big commitment? Why should we we say, okay, fine, I'm going to make this big commitment and commit my body to God? Why would I do that? Paul answers the question by simply saying this, because it's a reasonable thing to do. That's what he says. It's a reasonable thing to do in light of all that he has done for you. That's what he says. And it just got me thinking, what has he done for me? Why would I want to commit my body and my life to the Lord to be transformed and to become this new person that I live not just for myself anymore, but I live for his glory, his purposes, and his kingdom. Why would I want to do that? And Paul says, it's a reasonable thing to do because of all that he's done for you. And it got me thinking, what has he done for me? What has he done for us? I mean, it's like, uh, here's a small list I wrote down. He's that he's, he's forgiven you. He's saved you. He, he's died in your place. He's set you free from sin. He's given you hope for the future. He's adopted you into his family. He's set you free. He's promised, uh, I already said that one, but he promised to love you. He's promised to be with you forever. He has made you a co-heir with Christ. You share in his victory. You share in his eternal home. You share in the reward to come. You will experience the new heaven and the new earth. He promises to give you a new body when this one wears out. He promises to give you a new joy, a new peace that passes all your understanding. He says, all bondage, all darkness, all sorrow are under my feet, and that power has now been given to you. What awaits those, what awaits those who, commits, who commit themselves to Christ is greater, the Bible says, than you could think or imagine. That's what it says. So he says it's, it's a reasonable thing to do. And he's right, right? Right? The song that we even sang this morning, the very first song, Matt Redman's song, 10,000 Reasons, the second verse he says, for all your goodness, I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. And he's bang on right. The old hymn when we sing, right? When we've been there 10,000 years, we'll have no less days to sing his praise. But what the hymn doesn't say is, even after singing his praise for 10,000 years, you will still not have touched the depth of all that he has done for you. 
So he says, why would you give yourself to God in such a way? Because it's reasonable, because of all that he's done for you. This is his point. So he's saying, make a commitment. He made a commitment to you, and he stayed on the cross, offered himself, and saved you, and gave you hope in a future, gave you everything you need to succeed. He did it for you, so it's reasonable for us to say, you are worthy of my life. You are worthy of my body. You are worthy of any sacrifice or service I can offer because of all that you have done for me. This is what he says, and he's bang on. It is reasonable to do this when we understand all that he has done for us. So give God our body, he says. The second thing he says is give God your mind. Give God your mind. Let him transform your mind. Verse 2, he said, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's, that's what the word says. NLT that we read says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We know that when people change the way they think, then everything changes. Everything changes when you begin to think differently. It changes the way you speak. It changes the way you act. It changes the way you operate. It changes your life when your mind is transformed. So it, it, Philip, uh, the Phillips translation talks about um, when, when he says, don't let the world around you, right? He says, don't conform to the patterns of the world. Don't let the world influence you. Don't let it, don't let it push you. Uh, the Phillips translation actually says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. You are not like that. You are not to be conformed and not to let your mind be conformed to the way that the world thinks, for you are a new creation. And here's the thing, right? The enemy wants to control your mind, but God wants to transform your mind. And there's a huge difference. Ephesians 4 17, put that up for me. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused, right? Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. See, this world exerts pressure from the outside to try to get us to conform, to push us into its mold, right? It, it, it's, we, we, they, they, they yell tolerance, but we live in the most intolerant world I think we've ever seen, right? It, 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 we exert pressure. It, it exerts pressure on us to conform to its way. But the Holy Spirit is saying, notice the difference. I want to change you from within, right? So the world is putting pressure on us from, from without, right? From the outside. And God is saying, you're a temple. You're, you, I, I am with you. I am in you. Let me change you from the inside. And inside change is always more powerful. Actually, real transformation, when you think about it, is actually always change from the inside, right? A caterpillar transforms not because of pressure being applied to it from the outside. It's changed 
because of the power that comes from within, from within its body, right? So if the world controls your thinking, you are a conformer. But if the Holy Spirit controls your thinking, you are a transformer. That's what he's saying. Yeah. You know the old cars, you know? Yeah. Right? That was pretty good, I thought, eh? That was pretty good. Yeah, not too bad, yeah. You are, so listen, is you're either being conformed or you're being transformed. This is on all of us. So which is more powerful in your life? Which, which voice are you listening to? Are you letting the external pressure squeeze you into a mold? Or are you letting the power of the Holy Spirit rise up to transform you from the inside, right? He's saying, don't conform to the patterns of the world, but let the Holy Spirit renew your mind and you will be transformed, right? If the world controls your thinking, you are a conformer. But if the Holy Spirit controls your thinking, you are a transformer. And really, the ultimate question for all of us is, what force is winning? What's winning in your life? So I encourage us today, believer, saint, saved and sanctified child of the Most High God, let the power of the Holy Spirit within you be the greater power. For he alone has the ability to transform you into something new. The world will just conform you into some kind of a weird shape and mold. He transforms us from the inside. So he's saying how to be transformed. What's the cooperative thing that's needed, right? So we're to give God our body. We're to give God our mind. Let me just talk for a few minutes about the cooperation idea, just so that it's clear. This transformation that Jesus intends for us, I said at the beginning, it's possible. It is possible. It can happen. No matter where we start from, he can do great things in us, and he can do great things through us. But this change can only occur when we are operating in a spirit of cooperation. You know, you know this. You, 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 know, you intuitively know this, right? You ever been doing something, praying, just walking, whatever, all of a sudden you just feel in your heart God's asking you to do something or God's reminding you that you need to stop doing something? Mm-hmm. No lying in church ever happened to you, you know? And, and, and so it's, it's just, it's called conviction. It's called the Holy Spirit trying to transform you. That's what's going on. So you have that choice immediately. Am I going to listen? Am I going to obey? Am I going to work at that and get that better? Or am I going to ignore it and just keep letting the world conform me into its mold? You see? This happens all the time to us. We have to, we have to find a way to cooperate. We have, to, we have this role to play in seeing the transformation happen. Like we talked about last week, that freedom is our choice. When you decide to be free, you will break the, his yoke from off of your neck. When you decide. When you want to be transformed, you do your part. Because God is faithful and will always do his. So there's two different ways. I was, I was uh, thinking about this. There's always two different ways that the word 
transformed is used in the New Testament when you look through. And I'll give you a few examples, but one is like, quote unquote, be transformed. It's, it's, it's used a lot like be transformed, meaning it's this active, it's a, an active form of the word, meaning it means that I'm responsible to make it happen. Be transformed. Be set free. You, you do that. You can do that. You can choose to do that, right? I must make the decision to do it. But the second way transformed is used is more, it's in a passive, uh, it's in a passive form. Uh, and you'll see, we'll see phrases like, you are being transformed, right? And uh, it, that means, obviously, that something is being done in you, to you, that you are being transformed, that, that he's doing something in you. So it's kind of both. Our part, Romans 12, says that we, to, we, we need to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We, net, we need to offer our minds to let him renew and transform our minds so that we can become who, we, who he wants us to be. That's on us to do, right? You make the choice to do it or to not do it. In fact, there's another good example, 2 Peter 3.18. Here's a good one. Rather, you must. Don't miss that. Who? Who must? You must grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to him both now and forever. Amen. You must grow. So do what you need to grow. Get into a small group. Come to church. Read your Bible. Do what you need to do. It's called self-feeding. Even when the sermons are phenomenal in here, you need more. I'm, I'm serious. You need more, right? Of course we try to do a good job. And of course we try to have a good service. And of course we work to have something to say. But listen... You, this, this is only one meal. Have you, do, you, do you eat? Do you not eat until next Sunday? I'm pretty sure you eat multiple times. It, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So find ways, multiple ways. Listen to sermons, listen to music, read your Bible, join a small group. Do stuff that you know you need to do for discipleship and accountability, for, for you must be growing in grace and must be growing in the knowledge. How do you grow in knowledge? You have to study. You have to learn. It's the only way you grow in knowledge. I can't just sit down, plug, you know, you know the new Lazy Boys, you can, they have the USB imports now? I, like, I just can't sit down and put the USB cord in, plug it into the C drive and say, go ahead, download me all the info, Lord. You know? No, it's, it's a process, right? I'm growing in grace. I'm growing in knowledge, right? So it's, it's our part. You must grow. You must want it. You must commit to it. You must put the things in your life that will help you, that will cause you to do that. That's on you. So I think you get that. But here's, here's God's part, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. It says, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, listen to this, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him. Right? Be transformed or you are being transformed. This is the other one, now God's part. He 
who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You must grow and you must want it. But here's God's part. The Lord makes us more and more like him. He is doing something in us. He is working stuff out. He is helping us. He is giving us new desires. He is transforming us from the inside. He is changing our mind, helping us to think different, helping us to think clearer, helping us to see things that we've never seen before. The verse says the veil has been removed, meaning when we weren't saved, we didn't understand all the things that God wanted, all the things that God said. The Bible is... is is mysterious in that way to people that haven't had the veil removed, Paul says. But you who have had the veil removed, he, he is now with you. So when you read the scripture, he gives you insight. He gives you practical, practical steps to say, wow, I'm, I need to change this. Wow, that's an area of growth in my life. Wow, I have an anger problem. Wow, I need to stop looking at porn. Wow, I have an issue with lust in my life. He just does that. That's what he does. He's growing you in grace and knowledge. He's transforming you from the inside, right? That's his, that's his part. When I love it when it says that we can reflect the glory of the Lord. The, the word reflect is an interesting word. It means, obviously, to look at yourself in a mirror and I know that's deep, right? You can see the image back. Like, wow, you came to church to hear that. Just saying, you know. But understand that the kind of mirrors, why it's kind of interesting is the kind of mirrors that they used back in Paul's day kind of gives us, I think, a little bit of insight. They, they used, uh, mirrors that they used were basically like this round, flat piece of metal. And this metal had to be constantly polished to keep it from corroding, and to keep the image clear. So if you really want to see clearly, you have, to, you have to work at this piece of metal to keep it clear so that the reflection you see is clear and accurate. And it just it got me thinking, when we cooperate with the Spirit, when we're doing our part and God's doing His part, we're, 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 we're in this continual state of being polished, right? How... How, why? So that we can accurately reflect the glory of the Lord. That's what he's saying. So how can you reflect the glory of the Lord? Well, your mirror needs to be clear. It needs to be polished. It needs to, the corrosion needs to be wiped off. It needs to be constantly worked at so that the reflection you're giving back is actually accurate. It's clear. And this is what he's asking us to do. We do our part. God does his. We can reflect the glory of the Lord, but we have to make sure that our reflection is clear. It's the one that God wants us to give and to, and to see. It's not this one-time deal, of course. It's this process. It's this, we are constantly being transformed. We are constantly being polished. The mirror is constantly being cleaned. And, and, and this is it. So it's like we are in process, right, as we are making progress. Somebody should write that down. That might be good, right? We, we are in process as we are making progress. Both are happening 
at the same time, right? So remember the old bumper sticker? Bumper stickers, I know, but just, uh, do they even exist anymore? I don't even know, but uh, except on my father's car, I know that. But uh, um, bump, remember the old bumper sticker? Please be patient with me because God's not, what, finished with me yet. You remember that from 100 years ago? Those of us who are old enough to know, right? It was a bumper sticker that was pretty popular. Be patient. Please be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. It's true. It's true. And in the scriptures that we're looking at today, it's, 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 it's very true that we're in process. We, we are being transformed. And the, the, sort of the, the quickness of the transformation or the quality of the transformation is really on us. God is always faithful. God is always, always uh, consistent in that regard. It's why does some people get saved? You know, uh, they, they get filled with the Spirit. They love Jesus. And in a couple of years, they are so far from the kind of person they were. And then other people can come to church for years and years and years with very little change, same struggles, same issues, same burdens, continue to dog them day in and day out. There, I, I, I'm not saying it's all the answer, but some of the answer is our want to, right? Some of the answer is do, if you want to be free, you can be. If you want to be transformed, you can be. He wants to do it in you. How much do you want it to be done to you, right? You do your part, God does his part. We are in process as we're making progress, right? So please be patient with each other because God is not finished with you yet. That's the truth. We are responsible to do our part at the same time that the Spirit, that, that Holy Spirit is doing his part in us. One last verse, Philippians chapter 2. This verse, in my mind anyway, actually captures both what we're discussing today. Uh, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Now, here it is. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Next verse. And it says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. In two verses, he says it all. I should have just started here and we could have gone home in 10 minutes. Yeah, right? These two verses actually capture both sides of transformation. It says in verse 12, it says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Or some of you would remember the verse as work out your salvation, right? With fear and trembling. So listen, it's a whole other topic, but we, when we're working, when we work out our salvation, we, we're, not, we're not working for our salvation, right? It, it's clear, and there's a clear difference. But he's saying, work it out, it meaning it takes some effort. Like, it takes effort. You can't sit on the chair and grow. You've got to 
You got to move your butt. You got to get to church. You got to do stuff. You have to self-feed. You have to do the things. Work it out. Grow in grace. Grow in knowledge. Grow in understanding. Grow in wisdom. Grow in anointing. Grow in impact. You can be a difference maker. Do it. The kingdom. You serve the kingdom. Grow, grow, grow. Do it. It's on you. Work it out. Work it out, he's saying. Work hard. Don't be lazy. Don't be apathetic. Don't be indifferent. Work hard. Work hard. Work hard. That's what he says, right? And then the next verse, he says, we're to, we're to work hard because God is working in you, right? So you're working and God is working. That, my friends, is the perfect recipe for transformation in your life. No evil can stand when you're working and he's working. Nothing, nothing, nothing can linger in your life that shouldn't be there when you're working hard and God's working hard. Change is going to come. Transformation is going to come. Sin cannot remain when you give God yourself like that. Is that not true? Someone said yes. It, it is the recipe for transformation right here in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, right? You work hard. Work it out. Work out your salvation. What's your baggage? Deal with it. You're struggling with anger, depression, addiction. Work it out. Work it out. Work hard at it. God is working in you. Here's the thing. We're, we, can't, we can't even do the work without his help right? He says, work it out. But as we're working, guess what? We get tired. We get depressed. We get discouraged. We get, we get lonely. We, we don't think we're making progress. And he is so beautiful and so lovely that he actually gives us the power, the wisdom, and the strength so that we can keep working, right? He gives us the power to stay working as he stays working, his power is unlimited, so he gives you some of that to keep you going because we are leaky vessels, and we get tired, and we get discouraged. But, the, but here's the thing. Here, it's very, very clear all through Scripture. We just used a couple today, but Romans 12 talks about giving God our bodies, giving God our minds. Doing our part, that's cooperation. We need to cooperate. He, we do our part, God does his. And here in Philippians, these two verses capture both sides of transformation. We work hard because God is working hard, right? Giving us the desire and giving us the power to be the transformed person that he wants us to be. So we circle full circle now as we come in for a landing here. Change is possible when you have Jesus. It's possible. Change is possible. I don't know all the details of everybody's life. I don't know where you've started from. I don't know how deep of a hole that you've had to dig yourself out of. But I know this. <laughs> all things are possible when God is working and I choose to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. No matter what hole I start from, no matter what baggage I have, some of us grew up in a lovely home, went to church, parents who 
who introduced us to Jesus at a young age, and others had a terrible upbringing with, with absent fathers and, and struggling mothers, and we got ourselves into a lot more trouble early, and there's a lot more things to work through. But I know this. When you become a temple of the Holy Spirit, the work of transformation has begun. The speed of that transformation is now up to you. You're going to put your foot on the gas or you're going to put your foot on the brake. But the process of transformation is yours. He wants to do his part and he's clearly asking us to do ours. Great things can be done. Great change can happen. Amazing miracles and transformative lives can be seen when we choose to cooperate with the Spirit. You can be transformed. It is possible today. Let's bow and pray. Van, come on back. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for Thank you for the, the knowledge, really, that the Bible gives us, the hope that it gives us, the strength that it gives us. Lord, it's very clear that you are asking us not to be conformed, but to be transformed not conformed to the image of the world. We are to be transformed into the image of your son. And so we ask today, Lord, I ask today for myself and for all those in here that you would please give us, Lord, a greater desire. There is work to do in all of our lives, all of our lives. We have not arrived. One great day we will see you face to face. And the struggle will have ended. But until then, Lord, we will struggle. We will work. And it's okay. You've called us, Lord. You've called us to work through the difficulties. Like we said last week, sometimes the mountains get removed. And sometimes you call us to put our shoes on and get walking. Because there's a purpose in taking us through a mountain and you promise to be with us you are with us even in the valley of the shadow of death you are with us you are with us you are with us and so lord because you are with us and we understand that truth we also know lord that change is possible that nothing is too hard for you that if we believe and we do our part you will do what needs to be done. You will give us the wisdom and the strength to keep going, and you will bring the change that is needed in our hearts and in our minds. And so I ask you today, Lord, that you would just drop this little nugget into our spirit and just seal it inside of us, Lord. Don't let the enemy steal this from us. Help us, Lord, this week to remember and to understand that transformation is possible. And it's my choice to decide how fast or how slow this transformation will happen. Help us, Lord, to be people 
who are motivated to do our part. You are very motivated to do your part. And so help us, Jesus, to get to the place where we are too. I just pray, Lord, even as I just said that, I just felt like the Holy Spirit say, there's people in the room today. You, you're not even questioning what I said. You're just, you just don't have the will to do it. You just don't have the power. You don't have the ability to, to, to just pick yourself up to say, I'm going to do this. There's brokenness and there's hurt and there's pain. You're walking through maybe something particularly difficult. But I know this. Let him heal you. Let him strengthen you. Sometimes all of us just need to go through a time where we're healed, where we just let him speak love and blessing and strength into our lives. He's prepping us for the journey and the fight to come. We are to fight the good fight. And that, Lord, is our responsibility to let you transform us. So I just pray today, Lord, for those that feel weak, for those that are hurting on a deeper level and feel like they just don't have the wherewithal to make that decision to do their part. I'm asking by the power of Holy Spirit. We said, Lord, that when we are weak, it's you who can come and make us strong. It's you who can give us the ability and the power and the strength so that we can keep doing our part. So I'm asking you, Lord, today, for those, in fact, would you just do me a favor? I just feel as like there's somebody here today. Just keep your eyes closed just for privacy for a moment. But if you're here today and you're saying, look, I, 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 I need to do a better job at doing my part, but I, I feel very weak and at times incapable of doing so. If that's you today, would you just be honest and just lift up your hand for a moment? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Is there anybody here? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Yeah, there's multiple hands all over. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. I just want us to just in the quietness of the moment before we dismiss, particularly those of you who just raised your hand, but all of us really, we just take a moment and talk to Jesus and ask him to help you. Ask him to strengthen you. Ask him to heal you. Ask him to give the desire that you need, the motivation, the push that you need to get out from where you're at and to start to make progress. Ask him. Just ask him. As you do, you're going to have things come to mind that are blockages, things that are too hard to overcome, impossible situations. That's not your job to deal with the impossible. Your job is to do your part. His job is to do the impossible. Just ask him for the strength to do your part and for the courage to keep going. Awaken us today, O oh Lord. Awaken us today. Many of us have been stagnant in our relationship with you for so long 
awaken us. Awaken us. Awaken our mind. Awaken our spirit. Awaken us to the growth and the possibility that are still ahead. Awaken us. So, Father, you've heard our, our prayers. You know every life in such a deep, intimate way. Thank you that you love each of us and that you are for all of us, never against us. And so I'm asking you, Lord, to empower the people that need to be empowered today. Wake up those who need to be woken up. Love those who need to be loved. Lord, encourage those who need to be lifted up. But help us, Lord, to be men and women who are committed to do our part to see transformation. How can we transform the world if we can't transform ourselves? How can we make a difference in the lives of somebody else when we can't make the change in our own life? So Lord, help us to look inside, to clean our own house, to get going in the right direction. Help us today, I pray, Holy Spirit. Strengthen us, encourage us, and do what each person needs in a very particular and a very individual way so that we may move forward, Lord, in you, in your strength. Transform us, transform us. We have been conformed, Lord, into the image of the world so much, so much. We fall prey to it so easily. But we're asking you, Lord, that we would not be conformed, but that we would be transformed. And I just pray that, Lord, over all of us today and over our church. May we be agents of change, agents of transformation. Use us and do it in us first, Lord, so that we may share the hope and the power to all those who need it done too. So thank you. God's people said amen.